When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Breakfast with Kent for Monday, December 28th, 2020. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Call 317-849-2933. Make an appointment to see the great Dr. Mike O'Neill. Look, the Colts can't win a game, but you can win your battle for great dental health by enlisting the help of the great uh, Dr. Mike O'Neill. Again, 317-849-2933. The Colts. Man, for one half, minus that fumble in the Mark Lewinsky penalty, they were about perfect, and you thought, wow, this is a team that's going to the playoffs. They lead 21-7 to at the half. They put up three early in the third quarter. You think, okay, this thing is all good. You start watching the clock, and things are going great. And then out come the Hankies and their defensive pass interference calls, And you got problems. And then you lose. Uh, Colts lost yesterday, uh, 28-24, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so, instead of being, right now, they would be uh, the third seed in the AFC. They are out of the playoffs entirely, pending games this coming Sunday. This is going to be an interesting weekend for the for the Colts, and for the entire AFC because a very, very good football team is going to be on the outside looking in once next Sunday is all over. We'll go over scenarios in just a minute. Let's get to the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good yesterday, uh, the first half, minus the fumble. The fumble was terrible. Phillip Rivers has got to read that blitz and get rid of the damn ball. Yeah, I'm yelling, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. Then he did get rid of the ball, but in the wrong way entirely. It's scooped, not a scoop and score, but eventually there's a score. And instead of the Colts really being in a position where they put away the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first half, they leave the door ajar, and uh, the Steelers, they roll right through it. Uh, By the way, we'll get to the two uh, pass interference calls. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, really good again. 18 carries, 74 yards uh, for two touchdowns. We'll get to Jonathan Taylor. Part of him is the ugly. Not him, but his usage in the second half. Uh, The bad nine penalties for 83 yards. And the nine penalties weren't bad enough. But Mark Lewinsky's illegal block in the back negated a 68-yard gain. And it was a dicey penalty. It had nothing to do with the play. All Glowinski needed to do was stand there instead of extend his arms and uh, the play would stand and the Colts would have been in a position to put away that game. 
What are you going to do? Um, no turnovers forced. Uh, that, that is bad. You got to force turnovers, especially when you turn it over twice yourself. You lose the turnover battle 2 nothing to a team as good as the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're going to lose more often than not. Um, the defense turned soft in the second half, and I blame Eberflus, right? Here's the thing that happens with the Colts, and it looks weird, right? Week after week after week, the Colts, they either look terrible in the first half and they come back and play a dominant second half, or they play a dominant first half and they play a terrible second half. I think a lot of it has to do with scheme. When you're behind, you really kind of put your foot on the, on the gas, right? And, and you're trying to put pressure on the opposing quarterback and you're trying to create something. You're being proactive in your defensive schematic philosophy. When you get a big lead, you turn passive and you build that shell around the football like Matt Eberflus likes to do and keep the play in front of you. Just go make plays for 60 minutes. Can we do that? Can we try for, for once not to outsmart ourselves, all right? Not to try to outsmart the opponent, but to get after them and put pressure on them. And when you got them down, put more pressure on them and keep them down. Can we do that? Um, the, uh, the depth at, at tackle, obviously, uh, a problem yesterday. If you've got Webb playing left tackle, you've got a problem. Costanzo down with his knee. Braden Smith down yesterday. Those are the two starting tackles. And all of a sudden, you've got real problems if you're the Colts. And they did. And hopefully, those guys are back this week. Kari Willis... Uh, with concussion symptoms uh, suffered in the second half on punt coverage. What are you doing? I get it. You know, you, you want to play your best players all over the place. You want to be good in all three phases. So you've got Willis out there during special teams. But, man, if he's going to get a concussion, and then, boom, right, the very next play, what's Roethlisberger, what do the Steelers do? They test the new safety guy, right? Old number 31. And you got a problem. You got a touchdown going the other way. Uh, the ugly, the defense allowed 21 second half points to an offense that over the past five weeks had been absolutely inert. They got to Roethlisberger once. They dropped uh, from the playoffs. Still better than an 80% chance of going to the playoffs. But, ouch, here are the scenarios, okay? The Colts play the Jaguars this Sunday. If they win, Tennessee loses. Somebody's got to lose. Either Tennessee, Miami, the Ravens, or the Browns. If the Titans lose to Houston because they lost last night to the Packers, the Colts, with a win over the Jaguars, who've got one win on the season, and that win was against the Colts, you win the, uh, the AFC South and you're likely the four seed. I think you are the four seed. Uh, if Miami loses to Buffalo, at Buffalo, the Ravens lose at the Bengals, or the Browns lose to Pittsburgh in Cleveland, any of those three things happen, combined with a Colts win, and the Colts are a wild card if Tennessee beats Houston. So there you go. Let's talk about the Indiana Hoosiers. Holy mother of God, what are we doing? What is Indiana doing offensively? This offense is awful. Look, I get the need to play good defense. I, I get it. And, and I get how...
players ought to be rewarded with minutes because of their ability to play defense. And clearly, that's what Archie Miller has done, and that's what Archie Miller will do. But you've got to be able to score the basketball. You've got to be able to shoot it. And, and the Pacers, or the Hoosiers, just are incapable, other than Armand Franklin, of shooting the ball well from deep. And if you can't shoot the ball well from deep, you become very one-dimensional and very easy to defend. No matter what your schematics are, and Indiana's offensive schematics aren't terribly creative. Defensively, they have to play at an exceptionally high level. Level. Armand Franklin might be the best player on this team, and he wasn't ranked in the top 100 in his recruiting class. Trace Jackson Davis has been really good, although he wasn't terrific the other day, 3 of 13 shooting the ball. L. Durham, L. Durham, what's he got to do to make shots? This guy offensively is terrible. There are so many things wrong with the offensive work of the Indiana Hoosiers. I wouldn't know where to begin to, fi- to fix it. They were awful on, on Saturday. And I don't know how they're going to get better if you can't shoot the ball. You've got to be able to shoot. You've got to be able to function offensively or you cannot win in the Big, uh, the big Ten. So the, the Hoosiers, um, Franklin, five of six from beyond the arc. Another fantastic game. Unbelievable. Um, Al Durham has scored 70 points on 66 shots this season. That's about 1.04 points per shot. That's pathetic. That level of shooting efficiency is terrible in this day and age for a guy playing the guard position. You've got uh, Al Durham and Rob Finnessy as your starting backcourt. Offensively, they are, you talk about inert. I don't like using the word inert. In this case, it absolutely fits. Uh, they are terrible. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel, right? Finnessy shooting threes, 7 of 23 this season. Al Durham is 8 of 31 combined. They're 15 of 54. That's 27.8% from your starting backcourt. These guys, and Durham had really kind of stair-stepped it up from his freshman to sophomore to junior year, getting up to 38% last year shooting threes. Not this year. Uh, the defense, the the defense is good, but you, you can't be that one dimensional. You can't just be a good defensive team and hope that carries you. On made shots, made oppo- opponents' shots, right? Indiana just can't get into any kind of offensive flow. They bring it up, they dribble around for uh, about twenty four seconds, and then they force something up late in the shot clock. In transition, they're pretty good offensively. When they got to set up their offense, they are absolutely terrible, decrepit offensively. Uh, I cannot remember the last time Indiana won a game because of coaching. Used to happen quite a bit. Doesn't happen anymore. Like, hey, we really outsmarted them. Did you see what we did there? When was the last time you said that about Indiana basketball? The time will come where Archie Miller has got to be evaluated as either a candidate for an extension or a candidate to go someplace else and be somebody else's issue. I think at this point, I think he's done a reasonably good job recruiting-wise. I like the way the new guys play. Yeah, look, here's the thing, and this, this is going to sound like a sideswipe, kind of a backhanded compliment 
toward uh, Trey Galloway. But if he's starting for you, you've got a problem, right? If he's one of your better players, you've got a problem. This is a guy who is ranked barely in the top 150. And, and the ranking, I think, came in part because he was recruited by Indiana. He is an absolutely critical component for that, that team to function well. He plays hard every minute. He understands the game. He's, te- he's a freshman, and he's telling senior, Durham and others where to go. Hunter, you've got to go here. Drum Hunter, this is, I, 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 how, long, how long is it going to be before we see something out of that guy where he looks like he knows anything about the game? He is lost offensively. When he and Anthony Leal were on the floor together in the first half, they were occupying the same space. They are terrible together. Galloway has been really, really good comparatively. What does that tell you about what and who Indiana is? Um, they got Penn State on Wednesday. You hope for the best, you fear the worst as always. Uh, how about the Pacers? Getting to the Pacers late because I wanted to finish with something good. Phil Necro died Saturday night, and that's terrible. I, I hate that Phil Necro died. 81 years old, one of the uh, one of the Iron Men of the sport of baseball, the seventh Hall of Famer to die this year. That's an all-time record, by the way. Uh, Pacers win last night, 108-107. Domas Sabonis with 8.4 seconds left, a driving layup. The Pacers, they won one quarter, but they won the third quarter by 11 points, and that was one point enough to clear the Celtics last night. Celtics had a 107-106 lead. Domas gets to the rim, bucket, bam, boom. The Pacers still undefeated. Nice. Nate Bjorkren. We don't know how he's going to deal with defeat. Seems to be a pretty nice guy, but everybody's a nice guy when they're winning games, right? Maybe if he loses, he's going to dump over tables and go completely haywire. We don't know what he, uh, he's going to do. So we hope for the best for Nate Bjorkren when the Pacers finally do lose. And, and it may come tomorrow night in Boston. This is the way we kind of saw this, the early part of the season playing out, right? Where the Pacers win the first two against the Knicks and the Bulls. And then they split against the Celtics. They've won the first game against the Celtics. They've got the next one tomorrow night. And then they play uh, the Cavs and the Knicks and the Pelicans. I think they should run the table on all three of those games and be 6-1 and one after the first seven. It's easy for me to say, right? To do, a little bit different. But uh, against the Bulls, holy cow, the Pacers were awesome. Really good. Last night, good enough to beat the Celtics. And that's the important thing. Um, let's celebrate some birthdays, shall we? Pacers, kind of a revelation, right? Last night, no Oladipo, no Vic, no matter, right? You had Brogdon with 25, uh, it, it really balanced scoring. Um, Domas with 19, Warren 17, Doug McDermott 16, and Justin Holiday with 13. They were really good. Uh, birthdays today. Happy for the oh you get you got beat the Jaguars you beat the Jaguars somebody one of those four teams they're going to lose this coming Sunday and the Colts they got to be able to sneak in if this season 
is ruined because of two losses to the Jaguars. My God almighty. If the Jaguars go 2-14 and 14 with those two wins against the Colts and those two wins keep the Colts from winning the AFC South, <laughs> what a tragedy that would be. That would be unbelievable. This team's too good. you got to play 60 minutes. I really, I look at Matt Eberflus, and I like Matt Eberflus, but damn it, turn your dogs loose. All right, David Hall, happy birthday. David Hoppy, happy birthday. Rodney Schultz, Isaiah Jordan, LaToya Pierce, great Doug Hay, celebrating your birthday. Happy birthday to Douglas. Tim Babbitt, happy birthday. Faye McManus, Larry Kaiser, Jeff Neal, and Georgie Hoffman, celebrating a birthday. Worked with George at WMAQ in Chicago for a couple of years. And uh, not a better guy in the world of sports journalism. So uh, there you go. Doug Hay, of course, a native of Lake Bluff, Illinois, where we spent some time on Christmas Day. We picked up my mom and kind of tooled around Lake Bluff like we always do. We sort of lurk out of our, you know, outside our old house and pointed things and people think we're casing the joint or whatever. Makes me laugh. Drove, drove by my, uh, where my grandparents live, my aunts, uncles. Had a, had a great time. Took a picture of, uh, you know, the bluff and the lake. Hence the name Lake Bluff. So there you go. Um, nothing going on tonight, really. Uh, there's uh, Monday Night Football, but other than that, no Pacers, no Hoosiers, no Boilers, uh, no Butler. Butler gets going again on Wednesday. I think Purdue is up again tomorrow night. You know, hope hope for the best. Fear the worst this coming Sunday. Saturday, of course, it's Indiana and Mississippi in uh, in the Outback Bowl. <clears throat> we'll see if the Hoosiers can't win a bowl for the first time since the earth cooled. Uh, and, and then, you know, get ready to watch a late game at 425 between the Colts and the Jags. See what happens. We'll talk to you about that all week long on Breakfast with Kent and on Inside Indiana Sports Now, which posts every afternoon, but the holiday on Friday. Wait, yeah, New Year's Day. Wait, Hoosiers play Friday, for goodness sake. All right, the football Hoosiers. We'll talk about that all week, too.